I'll say, yes, I surrender all. Oh, that's so bold. What big faith. I love it. I've been so challenged to live in the boldness that God places within us by his spirit. And here we are singing collectively, I surrender all. Use me. I am available. And I just want to, I want to take a moment. As we've sung to the Lord, I surrender all. Let's take a moment and just listen. Perhaps he has something to say to that statement that we've sung. Lord, I surrender all. And maybe he's saying, okay, well then, fill in the blank. So could we just take a moment? Just listen. Perhaps the Lord has something to whisper to us tonight. what God is saying to you, but what's on my heart for us is that God would say, yes, sing boldly, but step boldly. Walk boldly. I have great adventure for you. So I receive that from the Lord. Perhaps we could receive that from the Lord to step boldly into the incredible adventure that he has for us. Amen? Amen. You can have a seat. Thank you so much, worship team, for leading us. Um, speaking of acting and living boldly, I'm super excited because back in October, I think October, Sarah, was it October? November. Back in November, Sarah came to me and said, Kim, I've had this really awesome experience with the Lord. Can I share it? And I said, just wait. Just wait. And then we touched base again. And I was like, it's time. And she's like, I think it's time. This is making me nervous, but it's time. And so Sarah has been, um, has prepared a testimony to share a story of how God has moved in her life. And I would love for you to help me welcome her as she comes and shares her story. What's up, everybody? Um, I'm Sarah, as you guys know now. I'm going to be kind of taking you down uh, my journey of mental health, you know, through uh, pain, healing, and growth. Now, for some of you, mental health may be completely foreign. For some of you, it might be familiar. But I can tell you guys that for me, mental health was a lot like a close friendship. Growing up, I had several different struggles with mental health. When I turned 16, I started noticing some serious signs of depression. As my life moved forward into grade 11 and 12, it started to get a lot worse. 
I adopted many unhealthy and extremely self-destructive habits. But even amidst my pain, God was still instilling me a servant heart and a call to missions. He never stopped working, even through my pain and my hurt. God was able to give me hope in the darkness, in the darkest times, and because of him, I was able to keep moving forward. Fast forward a little bit to my first year of Summit. On the first day, I switched over to the Omega Prep program. Great decision, probably one of the best that I ever made. Let's be real. <laughs> I started to learn more about the Bible and started growing in my relationship with God. Omega created a very healthy community, something that honestly was fairly foreign to me in the past. In the middle of October, I entered the worst depressive episode I have ever had. I was stuck in the dark, my life felt like a mess, and suicide was not a foreign concept to me. There was one night, everything had gone out the window, and I had lost hope. Up until then, I was able to hold on to God's purpose in my life and the work that he was doing. But I even went as far as to lose hope in that. And guys, let me tell you, a life where you reject God can get very dark extremely quickly. I just didn't care anymore. I wanted it all over. I didn't really care how. I just wanted it done. But guess what? Even though I turned my back on God, he did not turn his back on me. Sometime later, I found myself sitting in the 4th floor lounge at like 4 in the morning, you know, contemplating life as you do at 4 o'clock in the morning in the 4th floor lounge. And I started talking to God, and I'm like, God, no matter what, I'm going to fight for you. And I sat there for a second, and then I heard his voice, clearer than I have ever heard it before. And he said, because of that, you are healed. And I sat there for a second, and I just kept hearing those words in my head, you are healed, you are healed, you are healed. And I, I said to God, I'm like, you can't tell me this if it's not true. I can't have that hope in my life if it's not true. And he said to me, do you believe in me? And I said, uh, yes. And, <laughs> and he said, because of that, you are healed. Now, let me tell you guys, I'm not someone who normally cries, but I was bawling in that moment. The spirit completely overtook me, and I felt the weight of depression completely lift off my shoulders. Since that time, I have felt free. Depression has such a hold on me, and God took that away. Now, life hasn't been easy, but I can see the joy that comes with the challenge. The way that God works is so incredible and mesmerizing, I can't even wrap my head around it. I can't even think about why he would choose someone like me to be healed of this, but I just know that he is working, and it's so incredible how he does it. Because of him, I can feel the joy and the anger and the sadness, all these things that were numbed from depression. And... It's difficult to feel these emotions again, but there's so much joy that comes with the challenge of everything that comes with feeling new again. And it's been such a pleasure to have joy amidst my struggle. Over the past five months, I've been able to start building up habits and goals for myself that have helped me to build in my relationship with God and just in my life in general. I am able to have faith and step out in boldness because of him, because if he can heal something as bad as my depression, then he can protect me from the greatest danger this earth has to offer. This miracle has led me to continuously put my trust in God. He has completely changed the way I go about serving a night shift in church ministry, and he constantly changes the way that I go about living life. Because of God, I am able to live freely without the constant burden of depression. Now, guys, I know that we all face hardships in here, and I know that there's a lot of struggle that comes in life, 
but I also know that God has empowered each and every person sitting here in front of me. And I know that because of that, the enemy is trying to tear you down and hurt you as much as possible. And trust me, I know that it's a hard battle to fight, and I know that it's not easy, and sometimes you want to give up. But because of Jesus, you can overcome those hardships and those challenges. Because of Jesus, you have been empowered to fight every battle. Not only that, but he is constantly walking beside you and empowering you to do so. So I want to challenge you guys as we step into these final months of the school year, because it can be pretty stressful times and pretty overwhelming. But every time you feel worn down or like you're fighting a battle that can't be won, turn to God because he can destroy any demon, he can move any mountain, and he can empower you to fight any battle. But yeah, thanks for listening, guys. Here we go. <laughs> She's going to stay up here for just a second. You guys can sit down. But this is something that I want to celebrate. Sarah came at Nove- in November and told us her story. And then since November until this moment, She's been practically living in the healing that God has had in, has done in her life. And I'm so encouraged by that, Sarah. Like, you have been such an encouragement to me in this journey because you didn't just stay there, right? Did you hear in her, in her testimony about how she's been, like, co-laboring with Christ in creating further healing in her life? That's amazing. And I want to encourage you guys. Like, talk to Sarah. Can they talk, come talk to you? Okay, talk to Sarah about like what it means to actually continue and to live in healing, not just in that moment, but to live a life of healing. That's so wonderful. Now, could we pray for Sarah? And perhaps I would love to like make you a little bit of like a a representative, if that's okay. For those maybe of those who are who are struggling with mental health, who are who are journeying with that, and that's and her story really resonated with you. Perhaps we can pray. I'd love to pray for you and for you. Yeah? Okay. Well, Lord, I thank you so much. We give you all the thanks and the praise. We give you a massive hand clap. We give you a standing ovation for the things that you have done in Sarah's life. God, I thank you for the healing. Lord, I thank you so much for the continued healing daily that you have done in Sarah's life. It's so incredible. You have just... We've just heard a wonderful story of your faithfulness at play in your, in your daughter's life. And I thank you so much for that. And so, Lord, in hearing this wonderful story of your incredible miraculous power and you moving miraculously in your child's life, Lord, I pray for that in those who resonate with Sarah's story who are praying for the same, who are experiencing, um, who are experiencing a darkness, who, who feel it like a friend. Lord, I pray that they would know you, that by, by le- leaning into you, that you would, ex- you would extend your healing power into their life, into the specifics of their mental, uh, mental health journey. Jesus, I pray that we would have more stories of your healing in people's lives. May that be mental health, physical health. Lord, we, we want to hear more stories because that's who you are. That's what you do. And so thank you so much for this story, this experience to spark our faith, to believe in a God that does miraculous things. So God, you are so good. We thank you for this healing and we thank you for the healings that are yet to come. Amen.
Amen. Thank you, Sarah, so much. Okay, who could, like, go home now and feel encouraged, eh? My goodness. Thank you, Sarah. Thanks for holding on to that, too. Like, so wonderful to share. Um, Can I just quickly speak into that concept of, like, when the Lord, like, impresses something upon our heart, uh, I think so often the emotions that can follow suit with it, we feel, oh, this has to be shared immediately right away. And at times, that is true. Uh, And at other times, uh, it is not. And we see in this case where the Lord brought healing in Sarah's life and she shared it with Kim. And there was something about just allowing the proof of this healing to follow through that would make this testimony a lot more sweeter than if it was in the moment. Uh, And so thank you for waiting and holding on to that. Bless you. Yeah, why not, right? Hey, there was a few of you. (laughs) And tonight after chapel... SBC Tennis Club is like back at it. Sarah's a part of the club. There's a few of us. If you'd like to be a part of it, we're up at the field. We're not by the field, beside the field at the tennis court tonight. Okay, guys, uh, we're beginning a, a new series this evening. We are beginning our final Wednesday night series for the school semester. Uh, unbelievable, eh? In, in four weeks' time from now, we will be in our last chapel service of the year. And... Uh, celebrating the goodness of God uh, in what this year has been. Okay, so um, Mimic and Model is the uh, name of our series that we're going through for the next four weeks. And uh, does anybody here have a group of friends that the more time you spend together, the more you realize you just act like one another and say the things that they say? Anybody a part of friendship groups that are like that? Yeah? Yeah? Nice. Um, maybe, maybe, uh, at lunchtime you sit around a table and somebody across the table who knows your family is like, man, Brad is a spitting image, splitting image or spitting image? Spitting. spitting I was right. Uh, of his father, Daryl. Anybody a spitting image of one of their parents? A couple? Yeah. Yeah. Right on. Levi, where's your hand? Put your hand up, Levi. <laughs> okay. Uh, there, we, we have these like, you know, not just like visual uh, and physical appearances of ourselves that are much like our parents, like Robin and Joy Kootenai, I think would also play in that category as well. Uh, But there's also like mannerisms and personalities that can play and we can catch on uh, certain things about family members or friends and stuff like that. Uh, Rebecca and I, my wife and I, we... uh, we hoped before when we were parents, hoped that we would have kids that would resemble our personalities and our styles and our uniquenesses. And we wanted to have uh, kids that like resembled both of us well. And we landed with that. We're really, really happy with that. So I have a picture of my two boys, Seth and Simeon. Uh, Seth is the one in the red, Simeon is the one in the blue. And uh, that is exactly how I looked as a seven-year-old with that fuzzy, dirty, blonde hair uh, when I had hair, uh, toothless smile and brown eyes and just a pinner, uh, absolutely no body fat when I was a kid. That took its place following being a child. Uh, And then there's Simeon on the left there who is just like his mother, Rebecca. They tilt their head the same. They smile the same. They have the same eyes. When I kiss Simeon's cheek, like the structure of his cheek, it feels the same on my lips as it does to Rebecca. Like it is, they're so similar. It's wild, okay? 
Uh, and so we have like our mini-me's. Uh, a couple more photos that I have of them since we're here and we have the time, right? <laughs> I just did the post that Simi did there. <laughs> so there's uh, my boys on the ferry, which we are on multiple times a year because whenever we have time off and time to get away, we go to Vancouver Island where Rebecca's family resides. And one of our favorite places to go to is on this next photo. Anybody know where that is at? The Noose Bay. So, what's this? They're wearing Crocs. Yes, good. Wow, you eye on detail right there, Nathan. My goodness. Uh, again, those are their personalities, which reflect mine and Rebecca's personalities quite well. Uh, and that's the cabin that we uh, stay in each time. There's another photo of the Noose Bay <laughs> that I just thought I just thought was fitting. <laughs> I just thought it was fitting. Seth is in that photo. That was me as a father taking a photo of my kid who's the front row, the black shirt, but then Alex just made uh, that photo and I thought it'd be hilarious to show it. So anyways, back to my kids. <laughs> so uh, I had to show this progression of photos because I love to take photos of my kids, but then after a while, they begin to get tired of the photos that I take. And you can see Simeon get quite tired of it to this point right there that I thought. That's their personalities <laughs> through through and through. They're, they're little mini-us, mini-me's, both Rebecca and I, we're very grateful for that. And there's something about, not just, uh, I guess, as children, like parents, but in the, in the concept of friendship groups or communities, there's something about when we uh, begin to mimic one another. We begin to imitate one another, speak like one another, act like one another. And it's a kind of a cool concept. It's also a very good godly concept if it's in a healthy biblical example that we're to follow. And that's much of what uh, this series is going to talk about. Before we get into our passage this evening, which is chapter five, I want to open up with what Paul writes in 1 Thessalonians in chapter one specific. I don't have it up on the screen. You can just follow along as I read this. If you do have your Bibles, you can open it up to chapter one. And the beginning of the book, it says, to the church of the Thessalonians in God and the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ, grace and peace to you. We always thank God for all of you and continually mention you in our prayers. We remember before our God and Father your work produced by faith, your labor prompted by love, and your endurance inspired by hope in our Lord Jesus Christ. That alone would be a fantastic sermon to preach on in and of itself. Work produced by faith, labor prompted by love, and endurance inspired by hope. He continues on. In verse 4, he says, For we know, brothers and sisters, loved by God, that he has chosen you, because our gospel came to you not simply with words, but also with power, with the Holy Spirit and deep conviction. We know how we lived among you for your sake. You became imitators of us and of the Lord. For you welcomed the message in the midst of severe suffering with the joy given by the Holy Spirit. Sarah just talked about having joy following severe suffering. Verse 7. And so you became a model to all the believers in Macedonia and Achaia. The Lord's message rang out from you, not only in Macedonia and Achaia. Your faith in God has become known everywhere. What a cool testimony, eh? You became imitators of us and of the Lord, as Paulie wrote this letter. You became imitators of us and of the Lord. 
Paul, Silas, he's talking about you became imitators of us, but ultimately you became imitators of the Lord. Paul uses this language often uh, in his letters. He used it in 1 Corinthians. He wrote, be imitators of me as I imitate Christ. He also wrote it to Titus as well in chapter two of Titus. In everything, set them an example by doing what is good in your teaching, show integrity and seriousness. Paul is, is very clear about living out the life of the gospel in good character and in good reputation, being imitators of the Lord. So we can put that first one up there, being imitators of us and of the Lord. Jesus himself used this teaching when we, we talked about it in that passage where Jesus washed the disciples' feet. He says, for I have given you an example that you should do as I have done for you. And so Paul is echoing these words of Christ. Be imitators of us and of the Lord. And I want to echo these words to you tonight. To be imitators of the Lord Jesus in your life. That you would mimic the servant life of Jesus. That you would imitate Paul as he did to the Lord. To live by and to live out the life of Jesus. So to be imitators of us and the Lord. And to model. And to model. To become a model to all the believers. And every year on a general normal year, uh, year end, spring semester, fourth term, we end off with some sort of, we traditionally do end off with some sort of leadership series. And so we're, we're going to finish off this semester, this term, with a leadership series with this premise that Paul opens up in the book of Thessalonians of being imitators of Christ and a model, an example to all other believers. And we would go, far, go to as far to say that you guys are all leaders in this room. Every single one of you has some level of influence in another person's life. Whether it's by title or of authority or not, doesn't matter. Leadership is having influence into somebody's life. That's what leadership is. And we believe that every single one of you has a level of influence into other people's lives, those that you are in community with in your surrounding circles and ministries. Many of you are graduating this year and you will be going into positions of leadership that are title-based. Many of you will be going on to uh, jobs and careers in marketplace. May it be sales, may it be internships for the summer, uh, whatever it may be, where you will have a, a place of influence to those that are around you, professionally and personally. All of you will be going to a, a location and a place in some regards where you will both be leading people and following people. And that duality, that dual relationship of following and leading. And so this, uh, this series, we want to talk about that reality of, of being a leader, how we follow and how we lead and how our character matters in that how our testimony matters in that. Not just the things that we say, not just the things that we teach, but in how we act, the integrity and the character of who we are as people. Right, the testimony of the Thessalonian church, right, the Lord's message rang out from you. Your faith in God became known everywhere. You did not, they did not need to say anything. Joy was their reputation in a severe time of suffering 
and persecution. Cool is that? But that is their testimony. That's what they were known for, was joy in the midst of some suffering. And so some background before we get into our specific passage in chapter 5. So uh, Thessalonians, most likely the first book that Paul wrote. And he, you can read about uh, his uh, trip, a short stint of it in Acts chapter 17. It talks about Paul and Silas's trip to the church of Thessalonians. And uh, they, they planted the church there in Acts 17 chapter, what is it? Chapter three says, this Jesus whom I proclaim to you is the Christ. And so Paul was coming in and teaching that Jesus is the Messiah. Jesus is that coming king that was uh, proclaimed for centuries and generations before. He is the king, Messiah. And this riled up a lot of people. And these uh, Jews accused these new church believers uh, that they are serving a king other than Caesar. And so um, riots began and a mob was formed and it got quite dangerous that Paul and Silas had to leave. They had to flee because it got so dangerous. And so as uh, they left later, Paul sent Timothy to this church to see how they're doing, concerned for their well-being, concerned for false teaching in their life, concerned of the persecution and the suffering that they would fall away from the faith. And so he sent Timothy, and then Timothy reported back to Paul all that was going on. This is how he heard of the reputation of the church. And then this is his letter to them, being like, wow, what I have heard of you and all that has taken place in your life the trouble that you've had to face, yet what I hear is your joy that you have in the Lord. So to be imitators, continue to live out that life of imitating as we did, as the Lord did, and be a model to all other believers in your character and in your conduct. You with me? That's the premise of this series. Mimic and model. You got it. We're going into it. Here we go. So you can flip over a couple pages to chapter 5. And we're going into uh, Paul's final instructions uh, in his letter here. And it will also be on the screen as well. <clears throat> Verse 12 says, Now we ask you, brothers, to respect those who work hard among you. Is my translation the same? I'm going to read up here just to make sure it's the same. Now we ask you, brothers and sisters, to acknowledge those who work hard among you, who care for you in the Lord and who admonish you. Hold them in the highest regard in love because of their work. Live in peace with each other. And we urge you, brothers and sisters, warn those who are idle and disruptive. Encourage the disheartened. Help the weak. Be patient with everyone. Make sure that nobody pays back wrong for wrong, but always strive to do what is good for each other and for everyone. Rejoice always. Pray continually. Give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. Do not quench the spirit. Do not treat prophecies with contempt, but test them all. Hold on to what is good. Reject every kind of evil. May God himself, the God of peace, sanctify you through and through. May your whole spirit, soul, and body be kept blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. The one who calls you is faithful and he will do it. Brothers and sisters, pray for us. Greet all God's people with the holy kiss and we say amen. I charge you before the Lord to have this letter read to all the brothers and sisters. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you. 
Paul's final instructions to this church, this letter where he takes, it's, it's almost like, you know, when you have a piece of paper and you start too big in your handwriting and at the end it gets really small to try to fit everything in there. That is somewhat like this final instructions of this book. There's so much packed together into this like, what, 14 verse section of scripture. There's like 12 specific commands that Paul goes through in this passage. And so for the next four weeks, Kim and I are gonna go through it. And tonight specifically, we're just gonna land on verses 12 and verse 13. You still with me? Yeah? Okay, great. Mimic and model, first one. Verse 12, we ask you brothers to respect your leaders. We ask you, dear brothers, to respect those who labor among you and who are over you in the Lord and admonish you. Respect those who labor among you. It's evident uh, in Acts. We see it in that passage in chapter 17. We see it in other examples of churches that were planted and established and in the uh, pastoral epistles. But there is a structural element to leadership in the church that Paul establishes. So there is titles. We can read about it in Ephesians chapter four, the gifts of these positions of leadership in the church. Uh, There's structure and order, deacons and elders that he has in the church. And he is saying to the community of believers that they are to respect those who labor among them and who are over them, that we are to respect our leaders. They're God's gift to the church. Your leaders have spiritual authority over your life. Your pastors and your teachers and your parents, if they are godly Christ-following Christians, have leaders or have leadership over your life. Even if they are not godly Christ-following Christians, there still is a level of leadership that you are to submit to as children to your parents. You have spiritual overseers in your life that care for you that have responsibility over you, over your souls in their lives. And Paul here is speaking to the church and I am saying to you that you are to respect your leaders, those who work among you and who work over you. As they follow the Lord, you must follow them. Spiritual leadership, oh, it's a great responsibility. It's a great responsibility but it is a heavy burden. And for those of you who have been in internships, specifically I'm going to say in the context of the local church, who have been in internships or even positions of pastoral ministry, uh, you understand the weight that comes with being a spiritual overseer in a person's life. Oh, the, the, the blessings are huge, but that burden is heavy. I had a great conversation with Brant this last week and loved loved hearing your heart. Uh, And he was talking, expressing his his journey from, you know, first beginning here at the school and and having a hope and a a thought of what ministry and local church and being a pastor is like and then landing a role uh, at Surrey Pentecostal Assembly and now feeling that weight and feeling that burden, and seeing those who have gone before him, and the level of respect and increase that's taken place in his life is beautiful to see in you, pal. I love it. It's not easy to serve as a pastor. 
It's not easy or simple to serve as an elder or a deacon in a church setting. Often criticism is high and encouragement is hard to come by. And often, those who can be the most critical are those who are yet to be in those positions. Students who are preparing and planning to be in a position that may have a thought or a hope or idea that they know how to answer the problems or issues that may be currently at stake. We can be the most critical of those who are in leadership above us. And it's not just in that official title within the church. It can be that in the sense of teachers as well. It can be that in the sense of student ministry positions here on campus who have a spiritual responsibility and authority over many of you here, whether it be our student council, our RSRA team, our Omega interns and assistants, uh, our ambassadors, those who have a specific place of responsibility over this campus and this student body. We are to respect those who labor among us and who are over us. So the law of Moses uh, has a bit to talk about respect as well. So in Leviticus chapters 19, it says, uh, each of you must respect his mother and father, okay? People in authority position over us. We mentioned that. Uh, Going down to verse 32, love this one. Rise in the presence of the aged. (laughs) Rise in the presence of the aged. Show respect for the elderly and revere your God. I am the Lord. Pretty straightforward, eh? Like, You are to respect those who have gone before you. If they have a little bit more of wear and tear on their tires than you do, you are to respect them. (laughs) There's somebody standing up quite often back there, I think, as a joke to somebody else. Won't mention any names. Just the virtue of enduring hardship over an extended period of time, we are to respect because they have walked before us. They have walked the journey that we ourselves are walking through currently, and therefore we ought to respect them. Our passage about respecting those who labor among you, in other translations it says work hard. So we, we gotta understand, it, it is also those we gotta, they need to work hard. As leaders, we need to work hard. I think too often we can get caught up thinking about the position, the authority, and the title, Uh, And we can neglect the work that comes along with that. And so I want you to respect those who work hard among you and keep those who are not accountable too. That's why we work in teams to care for one another in that. Who are over you in the Lord. That's those who care for you is the translation and who admonish you. Anybody know what the word admonish means? Hmm? Hmm. All right. Admonish. Don't worry, I got it here for you. It means to warn or reprimand someone firmly. Oh, that one hurts. Literally, it means to put into the mind proper instruction. It could be used in the general instruction sense, but it is most often used where there are wrong tendencies that need correcting. So we are to put into the mind the right tendencies to correct the wrong ones that are taking place. It's a warn 
or reprimand someone firmly. And so can I, can I take a moment? Uh, often, I think, in our society today, in the local church setting, we really uh, can get kind of fired up and love the idea of someone speaking up here and saying something that kind of like cuts deep. And we're like, oh, yeah, like, oh, it kind of hurts, but it's also like a good hurt. You know what I mean? Like a good back scratch where it's like it feels good and it hurts. Like we can, we can accept that when we're sitting down and a person on stage says like, you know, a big truth bomb and we're like, yeah, 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 awesome. But then when it comes to the place of a, of a personal one-on-one admonish or, or reprimand or correction, it can often crumble us. Where, where this is what Paul is talking about. It's not that upfront spewing out a bomb but it's that personal time together of, it, of admonishment and correction and a reprimand to see correct tendencies take place in that person's life. And that is hard, but it is done out of love. And we are to receive that correction and show respect to that leader in our life. You with me still? Okay, great, good. Hebrews 13, verse 17 says, obey your leaders and submit to them. And remember, the definition of submit, right? We talked about this in that intimacy level conversation of Ephesians 5. It's about that, uh, not like lording over authority, but it's being like depended to, dependable, committed to, attached to, okay? Obey your leaders and submit to them, for they are keeping watch over your souls. This is what I'm saying is the heavy burden. For they keep watch over your souls as those who will have to give an account. We have to give an account for you one day. That is a a true blessing and honor, but it is a burden to carry that we have an, an account to give for each life that stands on foot in this campus as a student. Let them do this with joy and not groaning. For that would be of no advantage to you, right? I love that. The writer of Hebrews is saying, let them lead you with joy and not groaning. If they're leading with joy, it's actually for your advantage. It's not talking about our benefit. It's talking about your benefit to obey them and submit to them and commit to them, respect them. Allow them to do it with joy and not groaning for that is to your advantage. Uh, It also says in verse 13, and to esteem them very highly in love because of their work. To esteem, it means it's holding them up, right? Submitting yourself willingly, um, committing yourself to their leadership in your life. And, and, And I mean, like what Paul is saying here is to esteem them properly. I think there is a healthy way to esteem people and there is an unhealthy way that we can esteem people. And Paul here is specifically speaking that we are, to, uh, we are called to imitate them, not idolize them. And I think so often we can get to the place where we just idolize this leader and I just want to be that person. I want what they have. I want to do what they do so I can have what they have. We can get to this place where rather than submitting ourselves before them, we can actually place them up on a pedestal and we idolize them and we worship them rather than just imitating and honoring them. So Paul is saying to esteem them, to esteem them highly in love because of their work. 
I have spoken too many times about um, my frustration that I, I see often in, in society and in the church, specifically about how we can be so oversaturated in like sermon quotes and song lyrics than we do of scripture verses. And I, and I get to the place where, oh, it just, it lays so heavy on my heart that for Lent this year, I've had to, I've had to give up social media because it just, it weighs too heavy on my heart that too often we, we, we idolize rather than we just like commit ourselves in honor and submit to. And we can flip over too much so in that regard of people and, and positions than we do of God's word and his authority in our lives. Are you with me still? Okay, wonderful. You're just quite quiet this evening. <laughs> okay, yeah, it's true. I know it is. <clears throat> 1 Timothy 5, uh, it says, let the elders who rule well be considered worthy of double honor, especially those who labor in preaching and in teaching. Right? We're, to, we're to honor them, not idolize them. To have our ears tuned and attentive to what they're saying and to respond to it, to receive their instruction and not um, coveting their, their life, coveting who they are and the influence that they have or to listen, to honor. And uh, what is one of the highest forms of flattery? Imitation, right? Imitating, following, being that example, following that example. And each of you are in that position right now as students, whether you're a student leader or not. Each of you are in some level of position where you hold that balance of of following leaders and leading other people, that duality. You know what I'm talking about? And so often I think, oh man, we, we concern ourselves with just the level of authority will increase our level of influence. And we think, oh, our, our level here doesn't have as much influence as the person who is up here. And I wanna challenge that thought. I wanna challenge that concept. Abby, I, uh, are we able to bring up that video? Were you able to find that video? Oh, awesome. Uh, so we have a video that I want to show you. Uh, it's like 12 years old. The cinematography is absolutely atrocious. Uh, so if you get motion sickness quite easily, look away if you need to, okay? Uh, you might also have to look away because some of the clothing in this video may not be 100% appropriate. There is one pair of red, like, really short shorts that I laugh at pretty much every time it happens. Uh, and so uh, here's this video. We'll explain it afterwards. Let's take a, a watch of it. Yeah. Will you? Yeah, we trust in you, Abby. We believe in you. Abby, 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 Abby. Oh, now Gabby's going to help. Abby and Gabby, Abby and Gabby. <laughs> no? Oh, there we go. That's it. Oh, it's back there. Oh, there's the Summit logo. You know what? I can just explain it. It doesn't work. I see it on that screen there. And it's stuck there, eh? <laughs> Technically, we could. <laughs> Can you hear it if you play it? Can we? Yeah, 
Oh, you almost, there we go. I think it's back on your screen now. Oh, now you're back on this one here. Mouse is right there. Yeah. Yeah, you're right dead center. Go to the left. Keep going, keep going, keep going. All right, let's not worry about it. Don't worry about it. We'll just move on here. Are you able to bring the slides back up here? Yeah, great. There is a picture of it I have on one of my slides. Maybe you're aware of this video, okay? So uh, th this video here, <laughs> can I have three uh, volunteers, please? No, I'm kidding, I'm kidding, I'm not actually. Josh, you put your hand up way too fast on that. <laughs> Cade Minute, this guy actually reminds me a bit of you, by the way. <laughs> okay, so in this video, what happens <laughs> Are we going to play it back here? Is it going to work? Like, I say we do it. We're already there now. Just put it on the back screen. And, uh, whoa, where'd it go? And let's go for it. Because you don't want me to act it out. Yeah. Skip ad. Hey! Abby! <laughs> Okay, should we do some should we do some play-by-play -play here? Yeah, I love this guy coming in here. He's he's got some questionable moves, but uh, he's committed. <laughs> yeah. Oh, just wait. The, the red shorts is even better. Where are the red shorts? They're coming right here. It takes confidence to wear this outfit of the red shorts. There he is. <laughs> He's got that hat too. <laughs> I wasn't gonna say underwear in the microphone, like. <laughs> uh, 
All right, that's pretty much. Yeah, I know they're not. They're not really shorts. I didn't want to say briefs or underwear. Yeah, thank you. Thanks, Abby, for figuring that out. <laughs> I love that we watched that in silence too. That was hilarious. <laughs> Okay, but what I love about the hecticness and the craziness about that video is there is that first guy who is the leader. He's the first one starting off his wild dance moves that I would not suggest anyone to follow suit with. Uh, but who had the greatest level of influence and impact in that video? The first guy, the, sec- the first follower is who it is. The second guy, and then the, maybe the little heavier set guy that followed him too. Like those guys were the ones who had the greatest level of impact and influence for that to take place. Because like I was just by himself. And it took the second person, the second leader, the first follower to really make a shift and a change in the culture of that hillside at that dance party, at that concert. And often we think the higher the position of authority uh, is the higher level of influence we have. Bless you. And that is just not always the case. Higher level of authority does not always equal high level of responsibility. We have responsibility in our positions where we hold the duality of being a follower and being a leader. Uh, In a book written by Rob Ketterling, it's called Front Row Leadership, and it's this concept, the visual of that concept in the video. Uh, And he has this tagline in it calling leadership from the pew, or leading from the pew. This concept of being the first follower, right? The leader is the one who casts the vision so that all can hear and catch it and gives direction, but it's the first follower who builds consensus and culture and invites people to participate. And so many of you I know desire and are very good at building culture. Desire to be a culture creator. Can we put up the slide about being that first follower, that first point? I think both points are up there. About building consensus and culture and invites people to participate. They are team builders and enthusiasm catalysts is what the first followers. Yeah, big words. Rob's got some big words. The first follower has the ability to make this kind of impact. They also have the ability to make the opposite example of impact too. By being the first one to show up, by being the first one to volunteer to serve, by being the first one to say, I'm in. You've been in those positions. You've experienced that level of influence already in many of your ministries, absolutely in your internships. For those who are graduating and have positions that you're going into, whether it's in the church or in some other organization, you have that level of responsibility and influence. So can I encourage you to submit to your leaders, to mimic them, to imitate them, to lead their vision, to model their vision, that it would be a godly biblical vision, first and foremost. In Hebrews, again, 13, it says, remember your leaders, those who spoke to you the word of God. Consider the outcome of the way of their life and imitate their faith. You guys can come on up here. And then lastly, in verse 13, Uh, There's a quick little line that Paul says that we are to be at peace among yourselves. To be at peace 
amongst yourselves. So this whole section in these, these two verses, respect those who labor among you and who are over you in the Lord and who admonish you. Esteem them very highly in love because of their work and be at peace amongst yourself. I believe that be at peace amongst yourselves happens when we follow the instructions of those first two. When we respect our leaders and receive their teaching and their instruction, when we esteem them highly and and become that first follower and that culture creator, there is peace and there is unity amongst the body. And these these words, uh, the translation of this peace amongst yourself, it means embracing in a brotherly love. It means to cultivate love and a friendship with others. And Proverbs uh, 12, verse 20, and Sarah, your, uh, your testimony to this plays so well. I'm so grateful that the Lord orchestrated this. Proverbs 12, 20 says, deceit is in the heart of those who devise evil, but those who plan peace have joy. And we talked about the plan that Sarah has set in her mind to do because of the work of the Lord in her life. She has planned for peace and not chaos. And there is joy. You use the word joy like seven times at the end of your testimony. Those who plan peace have joy. Peace is to be intentional that we work towards. I believe Jesus is the giver of peace. He's the prince of peace. And he gives us peace. Scripture is very clear too that as we, uh, as we understand, as we grow in knowledge, as we grow in knowledge of God and of Jesus Christ, that there will be an increase of peace in our life. I think that's Romans 5. Jesus is the prince of peace who gives it to us. Right, our circumstance doesn't have to be perfect. Thessalonians, it wasn't perfect. It was difficult. There was suffering and persecution, yet joy was their reputation. As I believe they took to heart this passage of of planning peace, of accepting peace, of seeking the Lord more and more intently, and the result of that seeking is peace in our lives. Become imitators of us and of the Lord. For you welcomed the message in the midst of severe suffering with the joy given by the Holy Spirit. And so you became a model to all the believers. And the Lord's message rang out from you. Your faith in God has become known everywhere. So some questions to finish off this evening. Questions for you personally and questions for us collectively. Because Paul is talking collectively here of the church. Okay? Does this message of peace ring out from your life and faith in God? I think we need to ask ourselves that personally, and I think we need to ask ourselves that collectively. Does this message of joy, this message that rings out for all the believers to hear of the faith that we have in God, is that the reputation that we hold, that you hold? that collectively we hold here at Summit. Another question that we could ask ourselves, do you criticize and complain about the leaders and pastors and teachers 
in your life. Do you respect the aged? Do you respect the aged and honor those who have gone before you? Do you imitate or do you idolize your leaders? And is your life a reflection and an example of Jesus? Would you stand with me? And what I'd love to do this evening is I'd love to open up these altars because I know that there are some in this room who are going to need to ask themselves that question again, or those questions, I should say, again. Some of you are going to need to allow the Holy Spirit to ask you of those questions again. Are you honoring or are you idolizing? Are you criticizing and complaining or are you respecting and following? Is your testimony one that rings out of God's faithfulness and joy in the midst of your troubles and trials? And I believe that the Lord wants and desires that for this community. I believe the Lord wants and desires that for your life. And he wants to give you that peace in your life. That as you receive that peace, the result will be joy overflowing and testimonies like we've heard tonight that bring edification and encouragement to the body. Oh, it's so beautiful. So well-timed how that is orchestrated together. And so I want to give you this time to come to the altar and ask yourself again and allow the Spirit to ask you. And if you're feeling a conviction in your heart of like, you know what, maybe that has been me and I need to confess of this and bring this to the Lord, I'd like you to step forward and come to the front. Because many of you are going into the local church and you will need to be at a place where your heart is cleansed before going into. It may be a bit crusty right now. Some of you have been here for four years. <laughs> I know what it's like and you feel like a little bit crusty coming out of this end of it, right? And you're going into the trenches, into those places of ministry where the Lord desires a softness in your heart. Some of you need to find yourself here at the altar. So I'm going to pray. These guys are going to lead us. They're going to be sensitive to what's going on in here. Uh, but if that's you tonight, I encourage you to come to the front. Jesus, I thank you so much that you are the Prince of Peace. This peace that we desire in amongst ourselves, Lord, it's you who gives it. It's you who grants it. It's you who pours it out into our lives. And so, Lord, tonight we we need you again. We commit ourselves fresh and anew to you again here in this moment, this evening. Jesus, I pray for every student here in this room. Spirit, the the journey that you are leading them into, that you are walking with them in. Holy Spirit, I pray that they would be open to your leading and speaking in this moment, this evening, at this time, what you would have for them. So come on, step forward if you need to come to the altar. Pray. 
ask yourself those questions again, here's your time to do so in the back.